up there. Uh, my name's Hunter, I'm actually on staff here at Swerve, uh, and this week I'm filling in for Danny. He and Melissa are traveling to Arkansas, not Arizona, that's okay. Hey, it's pretty close. But, uh, so you guys make sure to keep them in your prayers as they're traveling. They're going to our, one of our partner churches and trying to just, you know, gain support and send us teams hopefully next summer, and just, they're doing things like that. Um, so yeah, definitely be in prayer. Um, like Tiffany said, we're going to be continuing through fake news, book of Galatians, wrapping up chapter four. Um, Paul is going to continue to just hammer this idea that no good works, no rituals, no family heritage, nothing can uh, make us right with God. Nothing can save us except for uh, believing and trusting in the work that Jesus did. And so we're going to just continue to see that, that argument he's making uh, in these verses. So throughout this passage, Paul's using the story of, uh, as you heard, it's kind of, it sounded like a lot, right? It's like he's using this metaphor of Sarah and Hagar and this story in the Old Testament to kind of illustrate, like, this is what's happening in present-day Galatia. And so just before we jump into all that, I thought it'd be helpful just to, like, summarize what stories he's talking about, because we need to understand what he's saying so we can see how it applies to the Galatians. So uh, the story goes that God made a covenant, which is a promise. So anytime I, you, you know, we, we're going to say covenant today, just think of promise. That's God made a promise. And he told Abraham to look up at all the stars and... You know, you can imagine Abraham looking up and he said, your, your offspring, your child, your children are going to be as numerous as the stars. Um, and they're going to be a great nation. They'll do mighty things. And like that all sounds great, right? Um, except there's a problem. Sarah was barren. She wasn't able to have children. And she was also 90 at the time. And Abraham was 100. So who here's ever thought, you know, I'd like to be, I'd like to give birth at 100 and raise a kid. <laughs> Neither did Sarah. And so doubting God's covenant, she's like in this crisis mode. Yeah, I can't have a kid. Like that's never going to happen. And Sarah told Abraham to take their slave woman, Hagar, that's who, who Hagar is the girl, and said, you know what, just go ahead and conceive a child with her. That way we can get this plan that God has rolling because we're getting old. Um, so I know us looking on the outside, from the outside to the end, that, that's a pretty bad idea. We can all say, hey, you know, that can cause some marital issues maybe. Uh, so anyway, a lot of problems, but Abraham went ahead and did it. Um, good, old, good old guy. And out of that whole situation, Hagar actually did have a child, Abraham's first child, named Ishmael. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of that name, but that was his first child. And kind of, I want to point out that this all happens outside of God's design. So this isn't the original way God designed it to happen. Um, so the difference between, so God still wasn't finished though. So after, after they do their thing and they make this happen on their own, uh, God says, does what he says he'll do. And so he ended up uh, Sarah did eventually conceive a child and was, uh, it was a miracle because she was 90. She couldn't have kids all of her life. And so that was the miracle. God did what he said he was going to do, even in spite of what Hagar and, and Abraham did. Uh, and just that's a thing to point out that God always does what he says he's going to do. He keeps his promises. Um, and so the difference between these stories, and this is kind of the big kind of point I want to make throughout the whole uh, message today, is that is human intervention. So that's the big difference between these two stories. You see, with Hagar, Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands. Uh, she didn't believe God. Abraham and Sarah didn't believe God. On the other hand, Isaac's birth can only be credited to God, okay? Because there was nothing they could have done to make that happen. Because for all their life, she had been barren. She was able, unable to have kids. And so, anyway, with that background in mind, we're going to see that Paul's making three main points um, in this letter when he's writing to the Galatians. So if you get out your notes and pens, uh, I know we don't have physical papers, but the first point is there are two covenants. That's the first point he makes. Um, so verse 24 says, uh, these things are being taken figuratively for the women represent two covenants. So 
already Paul's making it very hard uh, for someone like me to try, try to explain it to you because he's being very vague and metaphorical. Um, so he says that they're, they're being taken figuratively. So look at these women and what happened in those two situations. And that is, uh, that is a metaphor. And he says, um, so, so we're going to talk about two covenants. He says they represent two covenants. The first one, and this will be kind of a sub-point under number one, if you want to put, is the covenant of slavery. So Paul is telling the Galatians that what is happening in their context with the false teachers, you guys remember, we were talking about these false teachers are telling them, you have to do all these things, you have to do these rituals. Um, that's similar to what happened in, with Hagar and Sarah's story. Uh, if you recall, Hagar was literally a slave. She was a servant. And uh, in that time, that's, that's how the, the, the context and the society was set up. So Paul is saying, look, she was a, she was a literal slave. Uh, in the same way, um, there, it's corresponding to being enslaved to the law. So he's comparing her as a slave to being enslaved to the law. Um, these false teachers are selling the Galatians a lie. And the false teachers thought that because of their Jewish heritage and because of their bloodline, their literal bloodline to Father Abraham, right? Uh, anybody know that song, by the way? Father Yeah. So because they thought that they were related, they were related to Abraham, they could inherit the promises of God, right? They adhere to all the rules. They adhere to uh, these practices and the legalism and the traditions. God would be pleased. This was the lie that they were sold. Um, this, is, this way of thinking is actually, that's, that's part of being under the covenant of slavery. Um, like Hagar and ultimately her son Ishmael, when you're, in that context, when you were born into slavery, that was just the path that was set for you. You, couldn't, you could not escape that if that was your bloodline, your heritage. And so in the same way, in this context with the Galatians, the only thing that legalism and tradition could produce was more legalism and tradition. Um, and so it, it could produce a lot of things other than the inheritance and the promises that they were trying to seek through their good works and through, their, through the law, right? So we've been hitting on this point throughout all of Galatians, and this is the idea that as Christians, we shouldn't submit to the burden of the law. It's, it's, it's enslavement and good works for our salvation. That's like slavery. It is slavery to us as sinful people because we're never going to measure up to God's standard on our own. So that's kind of, if you want to write something down, that's important. We will never measure up to God's standard on our own. Amen. And for as hard as these religious people tried to measure up, they couldn't do it on their own. And so that's part of this enslavement. As much as you tried, you couldn't do it. And I, I was thinking, I was like, well, how can I like paint a, a different picture? And like, I thought of this story of when I was a kid. I was about seven years old. And I grew up in southern Louisiana, so open space, a lot of woods. And I was at my grandparents one day, and, um, you know, seven years old, my uncle had built a fire. We had, like, a fire pit kind of in the yard, pretty close to the woods. That was a bad idea. You'll see how the story goes. But um, he started it and thought, okay, let's leave Hunter outside with the fire. And so I'm, like, poking with it, and I'm just, I'm playing with the fire. And um, somehow it, the fire got outside of the pit. And it started to like spread. So I'm trying to like stamp it out before it gets too bad and like gets closer to the woods. And it just it just keeps building. It just, so I'm like, okay, I did the only thing I knew how to do, which was run all the way. It's about 50 yards from the house to where this fire pit is. I run all the way to the house. I'm like seven. Like I literally remember not being able to reach the cabinet. And I go up, get on top of the counter, open the cabinet, grab a glass of water, fill it up with water. Boom, running all the way back, glass of water. By this time I get back, it's like, whew, it's like even more. I'm like, dang it. So I'm, dang it, okay, come, run all the way back, fill it up. And by this time my uncle's like, hmm, what are you doing? You know, that's crazy why he looks stressed out. And I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty, you know. And he's like, hmm, and by the time, so anyway, 
obviously that was not logical. That was never going to work. And so uh, called the fire department. They handled it. They did their job. Uh, the woods did catch on fire, uh, but just a little bit. Uh, yeah, so obviously the, the fire had gotten so much more than my little glass of water could handle. And I could have spent all day running back and forth. I literally could have spent hours and hours, and it never would have put out the fire. And so the legalism that these false teachers are imposing on the Christians in Galatia is like slavery. With my little glass of water, I had the burden of constantly running back to try to put out the fire with no success. And that's the key. There was no success. And so our constant effort to please God with good works and good deeds is like tri trying to put out that fire with a glass of water. Um, it's, it's not possible. And it's even, even the, and the, I want to point this out. Even if we did all the right things as best as we could, if I would have ran as fast as I could, been in the best shape of my life, you know, got the purest water, it, it still wouldn't have made a difference. And so in the same way, as best as we can, and these teachers were telling, telling the Galatians and these new Christians, look, even, you know, you can, you can be your best self. You can, you can live up to what God's standard is. And that was just, that was the lie. Um, one Christian writer says, <clears throat> even our tears of repentance need washing by the blood of the Lamb. And so, think about that. Even our tears of repentance need washing by the blood of the Lamb. And that is to say, we need Jesus just as desperately on our best day as we do on our worst. Um, yeah, so that's the covenant of slavery, and that's this idea, just like Hagar, these, she was enslaved, and there was no, Ishmael could not get out of that slavery, is Paul is drawing the connection to this is what's happening in Galatia. This is what happened on Mount Sinai. This is what's happening in Galatia. Uh, these, these Pharisees, these lawyers are trying to put the law onto you, and, and you, can't, you can't level up. And so that's the enslavement. That's the covenant, the promise of, of slavery. Um, okay, so this is the kind of second sub-point. The second covenant Paul speaks to is the covenant of freedom. And unlike the covenant of slavery, the covenant of freedom is the better covenant. So Paul is saying, don't give it to these false teachers who want to enslave you to the law. We're free in Christ. That's kind of his main point. We're free in Christ. And next week, we're going to get to the, the very popular verse I'm sure you've heard. It's like, for freedom, Christ has set you free. And we're going to get to that and talk more about what does that mean to be free in Christ. Um, unlike Hagar, Sarah was a free woman, right? So think of the context. Paul is using that analogy to say, look, we're not like children of Hagar. We don't have to be like this born into slavery. We don't have to live under slavery just because of, you know, the, the law and the way that it was set up. He's saying, we're, we're children of, of Sarah. That's how we should be. Don't, we don't need to be bound to legalism. He's saying, don't be like Hagar. Don't be like these religious teachers. Um, so this is where I get to verse 26. It says, but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. That's kind of a weird statement. What does he mean? The Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Um, so we, like Isaac, are children of promise, of faith. Just as God made a promise to Sarah and kept it, remember, he did. He did what he said he was going to do, even though Abraham and Hagar tried to do their thing on their own. God still did what he said he was going to do. So we are children of promise, and, and we, God made a promise to Sarah and kept it. And he, he made a promise about us, too. And I want us to read this promise. This is the promise I, uh, Paul is trying to remind them and say, look, you're under this, just like, just like Sarah. Um, and this is what God says of, says of his people. And I want us to listen to it, and I want us to believe it. And this, this is what I've been doing for myself throughout the week as I'm reading this. I'm like, believe this. Don't rely on your own self. This is what God says. And this is in Jeremiah. 
For this is the covenant. If you want to turn to it, you can. I'll, I'll try to read it. It's probably not going to be on the screen, but it's Jeremiah 31, verse 33. And it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Look, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. So that's really good news. That's comforting, right? He was, he's going to forgive our sins and remember our sins no more. Um, and I, one thing that stuck out to me is notice that God, in this passage, is the one doing everything. He says, I'll write, their, I'll write my law in their hearts. I will forgive their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. It's, it's not dependent on us. There's nothing that in there of his promise that's dependent on us. That's all God. Um, and so Isaac was born through God's miraculous work, his promise. And we're under that same promise through Christ. So just as Isaac was made a promise in Abraham that he would have many nations come from him, and he fulfilled that promise in the same way Paul's linking that. That's what we have, we have in Christ. We have a promise. And so now we've established there's covenant of slavery, there's a covenant of freedom, right? Uh, those two words, just if you listen to them, they sound very opposing. They don't sound, they sound contradictory. Um, and so point two, the main, second main point is that these covenants are at war. It's like, whoa, war? Uh, I'll read verse 30. Um, I think it's 29 30. What's the? Go ahead. So it says, now you two brothers are, and sisters like Isaac are children of promise. Which is what we just said. But just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the spirit, so it is also now. And so, so we've established there are two covenants. And what we'll come to see is that these covenants oppose each other. This happened in Sarah and Hagar's story. So what, what happens, we have this like weird like stepbrother, half-brother situation going on. And the story goes that, that Ishmael persecuted Isaac, and that was to come. And that happens. And that happened in Hagar's story. It happens in Galatia. And it happens today. We see this, this opposition between freedom and the law and freedom and slavery. You can't be a, free, a prisoner and a free man, right? We can't, we can't, we're either slaves or we're free. And Paul's saying you, it's not that you shouldn't be both at the same time. It's saying that you cannot. You can't be free and you can't be in prison at the same time. It's just not possible. So Isaac and Ishmael were always meant to be at odds, and God tells Hagar when she's pregnant that Ishmael is going to be, this is, this is the Bible, this isn't me, Ishmael is going to be a wild donkey of a man. Uh, and he ultimately persecutes Isaac. And so the religious leaders and false teachers are persecuting the Galatians just as Ishmael persecuted Isaac. How are they persecuting the Galatians? Um, I lost my thought. Just as Israel persecuted Isaac in the Old Testament, the Galatians were being taught that they must keep the law in Jewish traditions. So they're being sold the same thing. Um, and we're being sold the same thing today. We're being sold a, a message of slavery to the law. And so this is kind of when I was thinking about well, how, how do I feel the war between the law and, um, and the promise, right? And I could be having a great day. I could be, this is how I thought. I could be reading my Bible, praying, listening to Caleb all the way up, okay? I'm just, I'm going for it. I even gave a homeless man money on the train, right? I'm, I'm just feeling myself, and I'm doing great. And even on that day, this is what I have to remember, that none of my, my, none of my good deeds can get me anywhere. So, and, and the key is, is that even through all of that, that, when I feel really good about myself, if that isn't overflowing out of my resting in what Jesus did for me, 
then it's, it's, not, it's worthless. So I'll say that again. Our good deeds can't get us anywhere if they aren't flowing out of us resting in what Jesus did for us. So how else do we feel the tension in war between the slavery of the law and the promise of freedom? Where else do we feel that? So there are teachers, guys, even today, Christian teachers, who would say that in order to please God, in order to be right with God, then we need to give money to a certain church or a pastor, okay? We need to not curse. We need to abstain from sex. And we need to go to church every Sunday. The list, you can just go on and on. So I think present day, that's maybe what this, this slavery looks like, right? This is what the oppression um, looks like. And this is the opposition between freedom, living in freedom of Christ, and the slavery of the law. Um, and what I'm warning, and what Paul's warning us is, adhering to these rules and laws is not what saves us. And so this war between slavery and freedom, it's been talked about forever, even in, in starting with Hagar and uh, Sarah. But even Dan, uh, James mentions this in, in James 2.18. And he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. And then James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And so we could go into a whole thing with that. I'm not going to. But this tension that has always been there, even for James. Um, and so... What I don't want us to do as we're reading through Galatians, I know we've said this over and over again, is, you know, don't live according to the law. Your good deeds can't do anything. And so I don't want us to say, oh, well, I went to church and they said that there's nothing I can do to please God, so then I'm just going to live how I want. That's not, well, that's not the goal. That should be the heart. Paul has a lot to say on that specific issue. Uh, but the big idea is where our heart is with God, and I think that's the key. If in my heart I'm always performing for God, and if I get my hope, if I get my hope of salvation from my own good works and my own self, um, I'm enslaved. That's slavery to the law because I'm constantly trying to perform for God. Even in my own heart, it doesn't have to be anything big. Uh, but if each day I wake up and say, God, whatever happens today, I'm resting in the fact that I can't do this. I can't live up to the standard, right? If we have that approach of humility and saying, I can't do it, um, just like Sarah and, and Abraham finally had to be like, no, we can't do that. Only you can do this. I think that's the approach, and that's the difference between I can do this, I can do it on my own, and then, God, I can't do it. Um, you see the difference between the two approaches, approaches to God. Um, and then Paul goes ahead and makes his last point, and that's number three. We are children of freedom. So this is kind of where he ties it all together, and this is what he's trying to say, a big idea. So Galatians 4, the last verse, 31, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. So then, okay, we're children of the free woman, Sarah. So what does that mean? Paul wraps up the section by saying we're not like Hagar. Unlike Ishmael, we do get inheritance. So think about this. Abraham, Ishmael was Abraham's son, but because it wasn't the promise and he, and he wasn't the true son, he didn't get any of the inheritance that comes with Abraham's fortunes, Abraham's, the inheritance of, of physical uh, inheritance and then spiritual inheritance, right? Uh, we're not like that. We, uh, we are like the children of Sarah and Isaac who God promised. So we have a, a, a heavenly inheritance and we are co-heirs, the Bible says. And, that, and so the question is how? How are we children? How are we today? How are they in Galatia? Children of Sarah and this metaphor and this promise. And the answer is Jesus. Abraham and Sarah used their own methods to try and produce their promised offspring, right? They tried to do it on their own. And you know what? They kind of succeeded, right? I mean, from the outside, it looked, okay, well, they had a kid. Well, great. That's, God said they would. There, they, they did it. 
But the question we have to ask ourselves is, where was God's credit in that whole thing? Where was his glory in that? It was not there. It was absent. And so when God miraculously calls Sarah to conceive Isaac, glory and credit couldn't be given to Abraham and Sarah. They didn't do anything. So in this case, in the case of Sarah, Abraham, and Isaac, it was all God. It was God-centered. It was God-made. He did the work of his promise. There was nothing Sarah and Abraham could do to make this happen. And just like that, we are like Isaac. We're children of God's promise. God sent his son, fully God, fully man, to be the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate penalty for our sin. And he, he took on all of our sin. He took on the wrath of God uh, because God said he would. God, that promise I read earlier, he was going to forgive your iniquity. He's going to forgive your sin. That's God fulfilling his promise through Jesus. And, he's, and he always does what he says he's going to do. And so the other thing to notice is that Jesus lived a perfect life. So the standard that we're always trying to reach, and these, legal, these legalists were trying to reach in Galatia, they were trying to do these things. Jesus did it, and Jesus accomplished it. He did the thing that we, and we tried so desperately to do under the slavery of the law. And so what, one other thing to think about is that whenever we are trying to live up to the standard, when we're doing our best to work hard and be good and be our best, do good deeds, to think that that's going to save us, we're actually saying, hey, Jesus, I know what you did for me. I, I, I know you, you were, lived the perfect life that I couldn't live. You died the death that I deserved. But the perfect life part wasn't enough. You didn't do enough because I still have to measure up. And so it's kind of taking that glory the same way that, a, that Abraham and Sarah took the glory with Hagar. They tried to take that glory. We do the same thing whenever we don't live in the freedom of Christ. We take God's glory and we say, Jesus, you weren't enough. And so... We have to always have that mindset of, I can't do this. And so, after fulfilling and living up the, to the standard we couldn't live, Jesus atoned and died for a broken world, for your sin and mine. And he didn't stay dead. In three days, he rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death once for all. And in doing so, he unlocked our chains, because we were enslaved to the law. We were enslaved to sin. And he said, you're children of freedom now. And to anyone who believes and puts their trust in that message, you're free now. And so... Here's the thing. God's not angry with you. He, you don't have to perform for God. You don't have to live up to the standard because Jesus already did it. So what do we have to do is put our faith in that and trust and belief in that uh, and not do it on our own. Jesus did it. So the good news is this is a miracle. Just like it was a miracle for Isaac to be born through Sarah, it's a miracle for us through Christ. This is why we can live in the freedom of Christ's work, not our own. We are his children, and he is our only hope to restore relationship with God. The only thing. Nothing else. Jesus plus nothing. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, yeah, we'll continue. God, thank you for being a God of promise, and thank you for always fulfilling your promise to us, Lord. Even when we mess up, you still pursue us, and forgive us when we attempt to, God, just like earn our way and, and try to live up to your standard. Thank you, Jesus, for, for doing that. And, Thank you for the freedom that you bought us. Help us to live each day, God, just believing and trusting in your work that you did for us on the cross. God, your ways are always better than our ways, and help us to always just constantly submit to your law and to what Jesus did for us. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name.